0: Hello, everybody, welcome back to the Founders Club podcast. Today, my guest is Tamar Hella. Tamar is the co president of LinkedIn Local uh, Shanghai, and he also is the co founder and CEO of Genius and Cell. What do they do? They help Fortune 500 companies in Asia to get leads on LinkedIn. Tamar, welcome to the Founders Club podcast. I was looking forward to have you on the podcast, and uh, since when we met the first time, which was I would say a year ago, if I don't recall, yeah. if you re- you remember it, right? do you? Yeah,
1: a year ago, yes. <laughs>
0: so uh, we had a conversation about uh, communities at the time and what we were doing as well, and I give you an overview, and uh, I like it uh, really uh, the um, the story, of also how you um, came to China. And uh, i like to start from there. Like, what is the origin story of this Californian girl <laughs> of uh, being in China, going to China, in Shanghai?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously I think for most of us foreigners, similar to you, if people find out you're in China, they always ask, how did you get there? I didn't really plan on being there. I didn't have this China dream that I, I think most people do who come here, but I, I happened upon a, an opportunity by, by chance, um, and it worked out, and when I first came to Shanghai for a job opportunity, I was, I was absolutely blown away. I, I didn't know how long I would plan to stay here, but when I, I think the first week I was in Shanghai, I totally fell in love with the city. It's one of the most vibrant, um, pulsating places like i've ever been in my life and even when i go on on holiday not so much this year but in the past when i've gone on holiday a lot I, i start to miss it it really feels like uh my my home my adopted home and because china is such a great place for opportunities it made sense for me to stay longer than i thought i would and then eventually um with my business partner we we uh, started running this agency together I came on later um, because he's the one who who founded it originally but yeah I think having a business here as well and all the opportunities keeps me here and and that's what I love about this place it constantly surprises me
0: yeah it does I totally feel you uh, since I relocated to back to Europe I feel I miss some some aspects, not all of them about Shanghai, about China, but some aspects, the, the vibrancy, um, the entrepreneurship spirit that there is, the speed, uh, technology, just for giving an example, like uh, WeChat and the whole ecosystem of apps that has integrated. I, I kind of feel like, for example, I have to go now, I'm in Prague and I have to go outside, I have to take my wallet, my money, uh, cash, uh, and all those things, and my pockets are full. I'm like, oh, damn it! Back to Europe, where everything is slower and it's steady, and uh, you know. So I totally, I totally feel you, and uh, um, kind of like uh, experimenting a reverse shock. But uh, yeah,
1: you're having reverse culture shock. I, but, I have the same when I visit California. Yeah. Even though Silicon Valley, which is where I'm from, it still feels kind of old compared to China and how fast everything moves
0: here so Although I have to admit the food it's something that I don't miss so I'm quite enjoying enjoying the Italian food and (laughs) Right Um, So let's uh, follow up and uh, I want to know more. what was the journey that led you to focus on LinkedIn? Good question,
1: so It actually did start with all the, the community LinkedIn local Shanghai Uh, But before that, which led me into finding this community was, at the time, my job was in marketing and operations, and I was working with a digital publishing company. Ironically, even though we were in China, our target audience was young professional Americans, so that was why I was brought on. And in order to sell these online courses we were making for soft skills for young professionals, My boss sent me to a lunch and learn, which is like a lunchtime session at the American chamber of commerce. And I met this lovely man named Ryan Perkey, and he gave us this kind of overview of LinkedIn and optimizing your profile. And at that point in time, I still kind of thought LinkedIn was just an online CD, so I'd been using it for years, but not so much. When I saw more possibilities because of Ryan Perky, I thought, okay, this, this could be something. And I went back, I told my boss, you know what? I learned a lot from this. Uh, Maybe there's something here in part of our marketing because we were using a lot of Twitter and Facebook at the time and considering Pinterest and Instagram, but we weren't sure. So we engaged with Ryan and he became our LinkedIn consultant, but it was more of a, He taught me as the marketing director how to really utilize this tool, and we did a lot of testing, I mean, on every single component, premium products, ads, groups, everything. So Ryan really gave me the crash course that I needed and didn't know I needed on LinkedIn, and that made me more curious to use it myself and really become a practitioner of it. So when I was getting more into it, I came across LinkedIn Local as a global community. Did some research and found that Shanghai didn't have its own chapter. I got involved in that over two years ago. And then through that journey of LinkedIn Local, the community, and building it for one year, I met with my current uh, business partner, Julian, and... He had a dream to really dominate in the LinkedIn market in Asia because it just hadn't been done yet. And for people who are listening to this or watching this and that don't know, LinkedIn is the only Western social media platform not blocked in China. So it's quite special in and of itself. So with this vision that Julian had, this dream, um, my expertise after using LinkedIn and really using all the tools because of the consultant we had hired, um, we started building the community even more together. So we super massively scaled it in a really short time, thanks to Julian. And then because of that, he asked me if I would come, come on to the agency um, because the agency was gaining some traction, but he really wanted a, a partner to help take it to the next, the next level. So, I thought we worked really well creating this community together, and then um, I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot, let's give it a chance, see if we work okay in business and don't kill each other, and it's yeah. been the best decision I ever made. Right, right. Um, it, it's been beyond my expectations, and we work really, really incredibly well together. We have very complimentary skill sets and and then now we have an amazing incredible team and we've built this really cool company culture so right. yeah it's, it's been quite a journey I like that you said journey but it's been quite a journey and it's been it's been challenging definitely finding the right, uh, but amazing.
0: right. finding the right right find the right co-founder and uh, uh, the right synergy but also someone who helps you to Ah, uh, complement your uh, your uh, weaknesses, and he can leverage your strength. It's really important exactly. when you are founding a company uh, with your experience. I know really well, and uh, it's it's vital for the success. And I really, um, as you mentioned, LinkedIn is the only um, social Western social media who actually succeeded uh, um, in China. In fact, mo- most companies in Silicon Valley, they call it the LinkedIn model. So whether they have a social media or a company like that, they kind of try to adopt this uh, LinkedIn uh, model when they want to enter uh, China. And um, it's, it's pretty interesting as a model. Uh, moreover, I like the story of you guys uh, leveraging uh, LinkedIn to uh, target uh, professionals, foreign professionals in China because it, to some degree well actually to a lot of degree reflects what we are at the Go, uh, previously at the Go at what we were doing so we were targeting uh, professionals um, in China who wanted to learn Mandarin so we were like using different uh, social media like Instagram, um, Facebook and some others but the quality of those users were not that high so okay we said okay what is the problem that we're trying to solve and who exactly has this uh problem uh, as a very strong uh pain point and some degree of urgency so we narrowed down and we look around was like wait a second we are in china we're in shanghai there are many people like us who live there and need need to uh learn chinese be able to speak mandarin and uh, I was like if, if they're here, they can use LinkedIn as we do. And we start actually from there to pivot our strategy, our, like I would say, uh, channel, instead of like Facebook and Instagram, like we put most of our efforts towards LinkedIn. Uh, manually contacted at the beginning, we had a strategy on how to contact those professionals, because obviously it's not like Instagram, you have to show a degree of professionalism and so on and so forth. And that was a starting point where we got really a lot of traction validation as well. And those people uh, helped us to build a product that uh, resonated with them. So thanks to LinkedIn, <laughs> um, we managed to, to pull it out. Um, I want to go to the next, uh, to, to ask you, building a LinkedIn local in a community in Shanghai you have a lot of experience in doing that and you've been through ups and downs and, and I wanted to ask you, what are the challenges of building communities and have members that actually engage uh, with the community?
1: Yeah, so um, when I was in California, I was actually involved for many years in building various communities or even coming in to do events that would bring communities more together, etc., to just create more synergy. Um, But building a community outside of your home country obviously is very different, uh, especially when you have such an international setting like Shanghai because you have different cultures and different philosophies and different behaviors, so you kind of have to really be a true diplomat in building a community. Fortunately, being diplomatic is just one of my strengths, even as a as a child, I was quite diplomatic. I always wanted to keep the peace and bring people together. So I used that strength of mine to start building this community, but it was quite slow. The first event I ever had two years ago, it was sold out. I think 120 people showed up and it was the night of a typhoon. So... I took it as a good omen that despite things that should have kept people uh, home, they still came out. Uh, And I think they were very curious about the branding of LinkedIn behind it. And so from there, little by little, I did more events. Some had great attendance, some had low attendance. And I was getting to the point a year in, wondering if it was worth it worth it all to keep doing it because you said like how do you keep people engaged? I was really the only one kind of running things and I was trying to set the example of how to keep engagement in our group and in our community. And I knew that either I was going to quit or I was going to bring someone on. Yeah. I remember so I, I remember I
0: call on. I when we met you were kind of like having yeah. this di- dilemma at the time and uh yeah.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure because when you're good in the community, like you do want the interaction. And when you feel like maybe it so much, you you start to get discouraged, even though the thing is like, you have to be long-term thinking, you have to have a long-term strategy. So again, like bringing on the right person, the right partner makes all the difference. And Julian and I were starting to do workshops around LinkedIn together anyways. So he was the natural choice and when I brought him on, he really showed me how to put processes in place to attract more and attract better. We did like a survey of the community last September so we could really find the cultural makeup and professionality of our community. And then every event that we did had excitement around it and it had a theme. And because of that, and also because of the strong branding of LinkedIn, It really grew the community and we started to make the WeChat groups even more interactive like it's been incredible to us especially during COVID time how the community became even more active because everyone was at home stuck at home Um, but really like goal and our desire is just to show people how to use LinkedIn as a tool to help their business or to get a job or um, personal, personally brand themselves and just, you know, meet certain professional and personal. So again, like LinkedIn in itself is a tool, but when you have community, you have people that you're educating, um, you make it exciting. That's really what I have personally found is the key and to be something that provides, that's just a community for to be community or to to meet up and have events those kind of things i find don't last very long
0: right um you talk about covid and how it impacted the, the offline communities what changes do you see um, will be permanent or temporary changes what, what do you see for the futures for the future
1: well um it was really interesting when So in June, we had our first in-person event of the year for LinkedIn Local. And we did a private brunch. It was a smaller gathering, but we sold out. Um, We had four speakers. We made it exciting. We had a video trailer to introduce the event. And people were just so eager to get back to meeting in person. So we definitely have seen that, that when people are apart for so long, it i think sometimes when you have too many events people get kind of jaded uh it's not so exciting and maybe they don't go to so many events but when you can't have an event it's the reverse it's the total opposite so we were quite happy and pleased and surprised to see that our june event sold out moving forward especially i don't know you know all these so-called experts are saying there's going to be a second wave or some parts of Europe have already started a second wave or some countries in Asia, America's not doing well at all. I think at least the next year or so, maybe even two years, I think people are going to be less keen to go to big events, maybe smaller gatherings they will. So I really believe that uh, the way that we've built the community, interacting so much online and using a platform, is quite unique. Uh, If other communities don't have this kind of platform to leverage, it might be more difficult for them to interact unless they're super, super consistent um, about it. So for us, I'm not really sure about offline events so much, but as far as the online interaction and people still interacting, people, connecting people getting opportunities i definitely have seen a greater increase this year in it than than ever before so that's kind of you know it's still a little bit vague but i think we're gonna maybe see more trends uh, or we can predict better next month
0: right it's interesting because in shanghai there is no there's no i would say uh, a second wave so far. I haven't heard about it yet. There is now many cases of coronavirus. So it's still like uh, What it, when it comes to gatherings are, are they allowed or what is the situation right now there?
1: Yeah, they're allowed um, So far the new cases have all been imported because some countries are able to come back in uh, if all their paperwork is valid and whatever Um, but it's still like, it's relatively safe here on public transportation. People have to wear masks. Um, there's not a lot of large gathering, but people are out and about just like normal. Just a lot of them wear masks. Some don't. And, uh, there's actually been, or there will be a convention for Ladies Who Tech coming up. So, yeah, those kind of things have been been all right uh, here and, and so far so good. We'll see what happens in the fall time, but so far so good. And I feel very fortunate, very lucky to be here where we can kind of enjoy our summer.
0: Right. So um, going back to uh, the other side, the other job that you obviously have and you're a co-founder and CEO, which is a genius and so you help uh, you guys help, are helping Fortune 500 companies in Asia to get leads on LinkedIn. So I want to talk more about that. Um, but first I'd like to touch upon the aspect of most of the leads is um, you have to have, obviously, a presence on LinkedIn. Why is it important for CEOs, founders, and any kind of professional to build and invest time on LinkedIn?
1: LinkedIn is so unique as a social media platform, no matter what country it's in, because it self-regulates. So for example, Facebook, we are the product of Facebook. Therefore, whatever we decide as users to put out, it, it is what it is. You know, if you go on Facebook, it's kind of this cluster on the home feed, depending on who you're friends with or who you're following of random stuff that's not connected at all. Uh, Maybe it's professional. A lot of times people are just posting about their life, their breakfast, their political views. Um, It's similar with other platforms like Twitter, Instagram, etc. LinkedIn is special because it's expected that you behave professionally and that when you share content, it's relevant, and if it's not, the community on LinkedIn will let you know. They don't want to see that. They'll remove you as a connection or unfollow you or even write a comment that, you know, what does this have to do with building business, etc.? So if you're not playing by the rules that are unwritten rules, you become a, a pariah. That's why I love LinkedIn so much because it really sets the – a strong tone for professionality because of that. Very important in my opinion, and my experience, that decision-makers, CEOs, um, executives, uh, managers, directors, salespeople, you name it, must have a presence on LinkedIn, especially in this age of digital renaissance, where this year, We have all been online more than ever because of necessity. And most of the clients that we closed this year, they were all on Zoom calls. We never met them in person. Everything was digitized, and this is the new future. This is what everyone is getting used to. So the best way to find out about your prospect, the best way to find out about your future employee, the best way to network is really going to be, and is through LinkedIn. So more than ever, um, it's just super important. And actually, uh, this week, Julian and I had the honor of meeting with the president of LinkedIn China, Dr. Lu. really, really lovely man. And he agreed with us. Uh, We were asking about the trends of LinkedIn China, but LinkedIn in general. And he said, Oh, yes, we saw a big increase this year of people online and those who were using the platform correctly and networking well and leveraging it are really the ones who gave the feedback to LinkedIn that, you know, they were making deals and making new connections and getting new business and finding uh, really stellar employees. So LinkedIn, in my opinion, is still like the most professional platform in, in the world on social media
0: yeah although um there are some limitations when it comes to linkedin china which i i hope they will they will overcome those limitations in terms of features for instance one of the big ones is the video features you cannot post videos when if you use linkedin in china uh version um and some other few small things and i think they didn't ha- haven't they haven't received yet the the approval to have this uh, video feature or live stream uh, and so on and so forth but it's interesting right. it's, inter- it's interesting also what is uh coming up for the global LinkedIn I've heard that they are going to allow to post the uh, stories um
1: yeah they actually started rolling it out already in Australia
0: and Brazil as well Australia's I've
1: heard the, the testing yeah it's pretty interesting and and we'll see how people start really using that and then polls relaunched again too so that's been interesting but um i think again everything rolled out is a tool and linkedin itself is a tool and as long as you are really a practitioner and you're consistent and you build a presence and a following there that's when it's going to make all the difference for you but if you don't if you don't practice if you're not consistent it's gonna be like anything else like facebook or twitter instagram snapchat whatever right you really have to master all of the tools
0: yeah exactly they, all these social medias there there are tools that you have to engage according to you cannot engage on linkedin or on twitter as you do on linkedin the type of engagement and the way you present yourself there is totally different And you have to do it in order to resonate uh, according to the platform that you are using. Most of the time I have this uh, um, kind of weird metaphor that I like to use. So think about all what I'm telling myself. Think about all these social medias like a house, right? So the living room is Facebook. Home office is LinkedIn. Uh, The kitchen is Instagram, right? So the way you uh, interact with somebody in those rooms is different, and you have to adjust and adopt uh, your marketing yes. strategy, your communication, and how you engage with those people. So um, exactly. I found it pretty funny, but I at the same time pretty useful. This analogy that I'm I'm trying to yeah, to do. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> it's
1: lovely.
0: Probably I think I've I've i I saw something similar, Gary Vee, uh, saying about this. You have to adopt. Um, the way you interact in different platforms according to them, and actually, I put a comment making this analogy on uh, one of his posts, and people just keep liking it. <laughs> and it's I was good like, people with
1: the nice visuals so, oh, that's nice, yeah, exactly. About. You can, you cannot
0: talk in your home office as if you do in the kitchen taking pictures of your food, right? You do right. that. Instagram is, let's say, your kitchen or the toilet, wherever you want. You can take a picture of your food and post on Instagram, or you can take uh, some sexy pictures in the toilet and you post them on Instagram, right? You cannot do that on your home office where you have a, a, a meeting with a, a person, right? The same as LinkedIn. Of course, if you're a chef, of course, your home office is the kitchen, so you can That's do that on LinkedIn. So I'll, I'll frame it this way. <laughs> <laughs> but one underlying skill that I think it's important is the one of storytelling and I think this doesn't matter which platform you are and which platform you are leveraging, having this skill, it's, I think it gives you an edge on communicating. Um, so I'd like you to... Because I know you are into a lot of the storytelling and... Um, I'd like you to share more about uh, how this skill can, can help you on, on, on leveraging these platforms properly and maybe can uh, touch upon also your experiences.
1: Yeah, so storytelling is gold, <laughs> especially, especially for business, especially for digital marketing nowadays. I actually probably started as a storyteller maybe when I was three years old. And I used to tell stories to my stuffed animals. (laughs) That's what I did to entertain myself. I just was always a storyteller. I loved telling stories growing up and especially telling adults when I was a child, uh, just making things up or relaying something I read. And I was so in love with books. Now, when I hit about college age and really started studying marketing and school and uh, even was a marketing director at the age of 23 I only then began to understand the power of storytelling as far as business is concerned in marketing so the more I was studying and practicing studying and practicing I really saw that it made a bigger impact especially to influence people when you could tug on their emotions and of course stories stories do that we have been storytellers since we could speak as a species. And and part of storytelling was how we also told and preserved our history. Um, we used to sit around campfires as prehistoric people and listen to the, the tribe storyteller. That was our original entertainment. And the way that our brains have developed, like they're primed for storytelling. So I actually, used my gift of storytelling as well to try my hand at writing. When I was 27, I published my first book, it was fiction. And I used that that background, that new skill I gained as a fiction writer to then bring into business. So anything I was working in, whether I was in education and, and teaching people how to write well, or if I was in marketing, or corporate, I, I always use that. And then of course, through the years, I've sharpened that a lot, that skill. And I even, um, last year I had the pleasure of, of being a guest lecturer at ESCA school here in Shanghai. And I taught the students about the power of storytelling in business and kind of five points to to look out for when you're you're trying to structure a story. but. When, when people make presentations, when they're trying to pitch, when they're trying to influence, when they're trying to move people, if you just give the plain facts, it's not well-received. It doesn't prime our brain. When I tell you, okay, let's get to the point, you're primed for something, but it's not to receive pleasure. It's not to receive entertainment. It's more, okay... I'm going to pay attention if I feel this is important. And that's like our lizard brain, <laughs> the, the, the old brain, you know, that's, that's which, telling us Which that. we still inherited. The is, which we still yeah, inherited. Part, the problem is that you, your brain here tells it that you don't want to deal with this. So after a while, you start tuning out. But if I say to you, once upon a time, now I've primed your brain because of that phrase, even though it's cliche. It primed your brain to receive a story and essentially receive entertainment. So it's gonna give you some kind of value and benefit. So now, on that frame, imagine, when you can frame your pitch, um, your idea, your product, your service, in a way that's storytelling, that people want to receive it, first of all, their brain is gonna light up and turn on. Second of all, they're gonna be uh, paying attention longer than if you just were really dry with the facts. Right. And then third, if you can move them emotionally with a, a great story, you can actually create good rapport and energy with them, even on a Zoom call, so that even if they're not gonna say yes right away or they're think, oh, let me think about it at the end, they still have some kind of feeling about you because you created that. So it's not manipulation. It's pure influence, and it's the way that our brains work, how we're wired. And, and recently, in the past 10, 15 years, with neuroscience becoming a, a really legitimate field uh, of science, people are starting to understand that that's what really helps to move people is a story and, and it's super relatable and it makes it easier, easier for us to remember. So yeah, in anything you do, a pitch, uh, content creation for LinkedIn, you know, the, the things that get the most reactions, even if it makes people angry is stories. So I encourage professionals, especially if they're producing content to be thinking about it, in that way and that's what our team strives to do at our agency for our clients we strive really to craft like more of a story or uh something that's you know interesting and not just giving the facts
0: yeah it's it kind of like to some degree triggers that pavlovian uh uh, uh, like what is it called pavlovian response yeah yeah
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what storytelling does because it's entertainment. So it's like Pavlov's dogs. It's a little ding that turns <laughs> exactly. your brain on because it's already primed to do that.
0: That's so interesting. Um Tamar, um what is the I want to go to the last question. Um and ask you what is the impact that you as a founder on personal level want to have? Which is a question that I asked to all the founders who joined the club and uh, do the podcast.
1: Well, did you know... Th- this
0: is a moment for you to tell a story. <laughs> so here you go.
1: <laughs> did you know it only takes 13% of the world to control the rest of the world? To influence 13. the rest of the world? I personally would like to have an impact on 13% of the world. And currently with our current population, about 8 8 billion, it's just over 1 billion people. That's pretty ambitious. (laughs) However, I'm crazy enough and ambitious enough to really believe that I can do that, that I can achieve that. I want to bring so much value to people, and I know it's going to be through content, I know it's going to be through video, and I know it's going to be through storytelling, and I'm I'm just getting started, but I want to bring so much value to people that... It really changes their lives that they become transformed and they become part of that 13% that can really shape and move and harness all the goodness in this world to make the world a better place. Because in some ways, as a human race, we're doing better than ever, but in other ways, we're more slaves to digital things, our phones, time, work, pressures, stress, than ever before. We have so many people who are unhappy, who are depressed, who are unhealthy, who are not living up to their full potential. And I really believe that if we can awaken this 13% of the world, I think we'll get back on track and I think we're going to be okay, even if more dark times are ahead, but i um, my biggest ambition really is to influence 13% of the world. And that that would definitely I could say that when I die and I look back on my life, I I won't have any regrets. That
0: that sounds like a, an amazing mission that will have a great impact. <laughs> and uh, before closing, uh apart despite executive who want to enter China and uh Want to leverage LinkedIn? Who else can reach to you guys?
1: Um, well, we are so we are working with Fortune five hundred companies, but we also work with SMEs, um, and it really depends on uh, two things. It depends on how long term they're thinking, because we're not we're not an agency that's going to do a quick fix. So, it really, has to be people who want to invest in the long term. Many different resources, um, and then at the same time, it also has to be people who who really trust us in their delegation because we want people who want to really collaborate with us, not just see it as a client agency relationship. We want them to be excited about the things that we're, we're doing. We want them to always look forward to our interactions, our Zoom calls, our monthly reports. So. If anyone matches that criteria, then we definitely want to hear
0: from them. I'm sure they will love to work with you and find it exciting, as I did having this interview with you. you. So, thank (laughs) you for joining the Founders Club uh, podcast, and it was a blast.
1: Thank you, Giorgio.